0: Good morning again. Just um something i didn 't want to say when the when the kids were in Claire Cole uh, emailed me this morning said, "Can we pray for Charlie, her son today because he 's got a brain scan later on? Um, I think this fairly routine i've lost Claire, i don 't know if she's disappeared, um, but he gets agitated, so can we pray that he feels peaceful?" And calm today. Uh, But I didn't want to say that whilst he was still here. So um, I decided that we would talk about seeking the Lord this morning. These things always seem like a good idea until you actually start preparing and then you wish you'd chosen something else. But uh, there we go. That's what I decided. I guess we all remember this game. Uh, Some of us are probably still playing it. Hide and seek. uh, All the debates about Did you really cover your eyes or close your eyes? Did you really count to 100 before you started looking for people? But we all have got to that place where we've hidden with that kind of pounding sound in your chest as you're hiding, hoping that no one will find you. And then the counting, and then the ready or not, here I come, or a variation on that, and then off you go. Seeking. And that kind of seeking is intentional, isn't it? it's focused, it's active seeking, there's lots of running around and looking in things and under things and behind things, hoping that you are going to be the one who finds the person and the point is that you find the person, that's the whole aim. Of course there's another kind of seeking, um, one that's quite familiar in our house, seeking something that's lost, whether it's keys or glasses or the odd sock. Um, Please don't tell Joel this, but uh, yesterday he was getting ready for the youth camp out and I said, have you got a coat? Because it was due to rain. Oh, no, I don't know where it is. So we looked on the coat pegs, because that's generally where you find the coat, not on the coat pegs. Um, and uh, I said, oh, maybe it's in your school bag. So he runs upstairs. No, it's not in my school bag. Maybe it's in one of the other bags on your floor. No, it's not on one of the other bags on my, on my floor. Maybe it's at grandma and granddad's. So he gets on the phone to grandma and granddad. At which point, I go upstairs to look in the bag on the floor where the coat is in the top of the bag on the floor. That kind of seeking. And I guess that we're fairly accustomed to that. But then there's another kind of seeking, isn't there? In 2013, Mike and I had the opportunity to travel to northern Finland to be inside the Arctic Circle with the hoped-for and possible chance of seeing the Northern Lights, the wonderful Northern Lights. This isn't our picture, but ours were similar to this. It's a different kind of seeking, isn't it? It's a different kind of seeking from the frenetic activity of hide-and-seek or the desperate panic of trying to find your lost car keys so that you can get to work on time. It's a different kind of seeking. It's the kind of seeking where you put yourself in the right place, where you need to develop the right attitude, an attitude of waiting, of patience, an attitude of hope and anticipation, but without certainty. I don't know if that's a theological point. You can decide that one for yourselves. Hope and anticipation, but without a certainty. Where you can't make your expectations too narrow. Because if you do, you'll limit the encounter and the experience. Where you need to be a bit responsive to what's going on around you. We, along with lots of other people, got this little gadget. It wasn't a very costly gadget. But it was a gadget nonetheless. And, uh, And it buzzed. Every time, the magnetic activity got more intense near where we were. So, at the same point, everybody's little gadgets were (laughs) buzzing. And it didn't matter whether you had just sat down for your dinner or whether you had just climbed into bed. As soon as the gadget buzzed, that was you, warm clothes on, racing outside in hope an expectation that maybe this would be the moment, the moment where the Northern Lights would reveal themselves in all their beauty and glory. So we sought. We went to the right place. We waited. And we were fairly lucky, to be honest, because not everyone is, but each night there was something, a little glimmer, nothing like this, a little glimmer, kind of taste of what there might be if only we waited a bit more. And every night it was like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, standing outside in the ice and snow by the river thinking, should we just wait another bit or, or, or should we not? And sometimes it was clearer on the camera than it was in reality. What's that about? But eventually, On the final night, minus 29 degrees, standing in the forest, we had the most awesome display of the Northern Lights. And we found what we were looking for. But you know, truthfully, we didn't. It found us. It found us. It was there. We just happened to be there too. And there's that kind of seeking, isn't there? And sometimes we seek physically for something. Sometimes we seek intellectually. We have a a need to seek for the truth or to seek knowledge or to know something more deeply. Sometimes it's an emotional kind of seeking where we're longing for a place to call home or whether we're needing a sense of self worth or of purpose and it's that emotional kind of seeking. And sometimes, of course, it's spiritual seeking. And at its simplest and most profound level, it's this. Have you found Jesus? Have you found him? Put your hand up when you've found Jesus. Anyone not found Jesus yet? By the way, if you want to not try to find Jesus, you come to the front, the coaches will wait. <laughs> He's behind the curtain. Case you haven't seen him. <laughs> but you know, we're not talking about some kind of divine hide and seek, are we? <laughs> but a lifelong attitude. A lifelong attitude of putting ourselves in the right place. Being in that right place to encounter. God for him to encounter us in our seeking you know the metaphors that are used in the scripture for seeking the Lord are very powerful images aren't they and one of the ones that is used more than any other I think is this to hunger and thirst after God of course David who wrote many of the Psalms lived in a land of deserts where water was scarce especially at some times of the year and a land where food wasn't found in Tesco's. These were the deepest, most powerful physical needs that he had, hunger and thirst. Hunger and thirst. I don't know whether any of us have really experienced hunger to that degree. I mean, we can technically go go without food for roughly around a month, can't we? Maybe some of you have, maybe some of you have found yourself in that place in life where you have felt desperately hungry. You haven't had enough to eat and you don't know where you're going to get that food from. I imagine most of us resonate with the sense of thirst because it only takes a couple of days before that becomes critical. Many of us will have found ourselves in experiences where we've perhaps gone out for the day on a trek and we haven't taken enough water with us. We've assumed that there'll be water in a certain place that there isn't. And we know what it feels like, at least at the basic level, to feel that sense of desperation. That's what David was talking about. If you go to Psalm 42, in the center and slightly left, and verse 2. He says this, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? And if you go to Psalm 63, as Emma read, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And then turn over to Psalm 143. Verse 6, I spread out my hands to you, my soul thirsts for you like a parched land. And then Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. When we feel that desperate, there's something absolutely outstanding about the feeling of water. When we look at the land and it's dry and it looks a bit like that pitch on there, it's so parched that the water just dissipates, just disappears. It's so dry. That's the kind of land that David was used to. He says, I hunger and I thirst for the living God. Scientists tell us, I know that because I've watched it on telly, that we often confuse thirst for hunger, that we're not very good at um, recognising what we need at different times. And so sometimes we feel thirsty, but we misread that and we eat instead. And in some ways that fulfils the need for something. But actually we're not very good at recognising thirst, probably because we don't have to live with it very much. We can eat and drink pretty much whenever we want to. So we don't need to identify those Uh, physical needs within ourselves as powerfully as perhaps some people do. I wonder whether we do that spiritually as well. I wonder whether in our thirst for God, we actually put the wrong things into us. We find the wrong solutions for the thirst that we have. It's like feeding ourselves with junk food when we're hungry. Instead of going to God and drinking from his presence... And his reality. So the hunger, the thirst is still there for the real thing that we need. We've just kind of blocked it a bit, dulled it. Eradicated it to some, way, some degree with something else. But not the thing that we really need to quench our thirst. David also talks about images that speak of desperation, don't they? In Psalm 42, he, he says, As the deer pants for streams of water... So my soul pants for you. And we can take that and, and kind of make it into a nice little scene. But actually, he was in a desert. He probably was by the streams of Engedi, waiting there where he could find water, with the mountains and the Judean wilderness behind him. And animals would come, because that would be their source of water in Engedi, Gedi, in the streams there. That would be their life. And if they didn't find that life, they would die. As the deer pants for the water. And we've watched, haven't we, And David Attenborough as the animals have walked across the Serengeti to the one pool that's left. However long it takes them, desperate to drink water for life. That's that same image that David is giving to us. And he is in a desperate place. He says in verse 3, My tears have been my food day and night. While men say to me all day long, Where's your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with a multitude. Leading the worship. That's kind of what it says. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Yeah, he's not in a happy place. He's in a place of feeling abandoned, a place of despair, a place of depression, of feeling oppressed by the things that people are saying around him, a place of physical discomfort. And he probably sits by the river and he looks to the deer, says, as the deer pants for the water, that's what I feel for you, God. And even in this place, I have that desperate need to seek after you, Lord. And as we read further on, my soul is downcast within me, therefore I remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon from Mount Mizar. And this very enigmatic phrase, deep calls to deep. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. I have no idea what that means, but I think it's amazing. I love the fact that it's enigmatic. It talks about something that's beyond expression as we encounter the Lord. It talks about a resonance of something within us that resonates with the Lord and His presence. I guess many of us have heard the roaring of the waterfalls. Perhaps some of us have been behind the waterfalls. I love that. I think you can do that up at Ingleton, can't you? You can, you can climb over the rocks and go behind the waterfalls and it just powers down over the top of you. Anyone been to Niagara Falls here in this room? That's only a couple. I'm, sh- I'm kind of thinking that's pretty loud. Like, can you hear Anything? Talk to me, this is your bit where you talk to me. Can you hear anything? <laughs> water, just thundering water and then he talks about all your waves and breakers have swept over me when Mike and I were traveling in South America quite a lot of years ago now. we found ourselves on the coast of Nicaragua, and uh, we took a bike ride uh, up the, up the coast and uh, and we stopped at a beach where there was completely no one. This was perhaps not one of the wisest things we've ever done in our lives. And, uh, and ditched the bikes and decided to go swimming in the Pacific. Well, I mean, the waves and the breakers were really quite significant. And it, we were okay for a while, but I'm sure you've all had that experience where you go swimming in the breakers and you do a bit of body surfing and then one catches you and then you're tumbling. You're tumbling round and round with the whole, what feels like the whole Pacific on your head, thinking, am I going to die? And if I do, no one will probably notice, which is a slightly anxiety, worrying thought as well. And you come up. We came up. <laughs> and there is that exhilaration mixed with feeling completely overwhelmed. I think that's what David's talking about. Something of that, that resonance where the depths of who we are connect with the depths of who God is and it's exhilarating and it's overwhelming but something happens in those moments that gets us in touch with the power and the majesty of the living God and changes us when I was reading these psalms it's brought back to mind some verses from Ezekiel chapter 47 and Ezekiel we're going to look him up because we don't talk about him very often this book's quite long. <laughs> Ezekiel sees a vision, he sees lots of visions, but he sees a vision of water, the water of God coming out of the temple and uh, flowing from the temple. In verse 3, he says this As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he mes- measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee-deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. And I wonder how content we are to play in the shallows. To kind of get our feet wet and cool down and say, yeah, no, that, this is nice. This is safe. This is all I need. I feel a bit better now. And we never, ever go into the depths of all that God has got for us. We never walk in knee height. We never walk into the waist height when you start squealing. We never swim. We never swim in all that God has for us. We never seek him that much. We're never that desperate. We quench our thirst on a little bit. We offset the hunger in our tummies. We paddle in the shallows and we never ever go into the depths of all that God has for us. The water, the symbol of his spirit, the living presence of God. David seeks God at all times. Psalm thirty four, verse one says that, doesn't it? I will seek the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. And Psalm forty two talks about the tough times. And we all go through those. I know we live with this illusion that the other people are fine in the room, but let me just tell you that they're really not. Well, few of them are, you know. In the tough times, in the times when we feel alone, when we feel that people are talking about us behind our back, when we feel depressed and downcast, where the things we used to do, we no longer do. In those times, David says, I'll seek the Lord. Psalm 63 sounds a bit more cheery, actually, doesn't it? But actually, it's not really. This is a time when David is under great pressure. His leadership is being challenged. He has family issues with his kids. His personal life's in a bit of a mess, but his priority is, I will seek God. I'll seek God. And then there are a few happy songs, but Phil and I have chosen to avoid most of those. (laughs) At all times. I will seek the Lord at all times. Some of these verses are wrong. But let's read a couple of them. Psalm 27. Because sometimes we don't know what to pray and we don't know where to start. And so we start nowhere. But take a couple of these verses because they might kind of get you going. If you just start with David's prayer, you might be able to turn it into your own one. David says this, One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Verse 7, hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do you ever have that feeling where you think, what I need now is to spend some time in the presence of God. What, what I need now is to pray. What I need now is to worship. And then you think, oh, I'll do something else. <laughs> Somebody nod at me and say that you do that too. Okay. And you get distracted and you do something or you check your emails or you go on Facebook or you go and have a cup of tea and a biscuit. And you know that it's in your heart. Your heart is seeking the right thing, but you don't do it. See, David says, my heart says of you, seek his face. And The next bit's really important. Your face, Lord, I will Seek. Then we have that sense within us, I need to spend some time with God right now. The next bit is our will. I will do this. I will not get distracted and do all sorts of other things that are, quote, easier. I will do this. I will seek God. Psalm 105, verse 4 it says, Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek His face always." And we go to Psalm 37. It says, "Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart." Now I was not going to preach a sermon on that, but in the presence of God, we work out what the desires of our hearts are. God speaks to our heart. He changes our heart. We conform with Him. And what he wants and what we want become the same thing together. Wrong text here. It's Psalm 34, verse 10. It says, The lions may grow weak and hungry. David lived in the land of lions. He said, I've killed lions. He watches them. He sees them in the deserts. He says, The lions may grow weak and hungry because they can't find enough to eat. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And we've read those other psalms together. If you can't work out where to start, start with what David says. Start with his prayers and then make them your own. What is the experience that we're looking for? What's the experience that we're looking for? Well, I don't know, really. But kind of the words that might describe it are this. There's closeness, isn't there? We want to feel close to God. We want to have that sense of closeness, of in-touchness, of resonance between us and him. There's something about vulnerability, isn't there? Because when you become close to anyone, you lay yourself open. And the word vulnerability comes from the the Latin word, which means wound. So if you're close to someone, you open yourself to be wounded. That's why relationships are hard. But when we're close to God, we also make ourselves vulnerable to him. That he will speak to us and that we might listen. That he will touch things in our character or in our lives that are maybe a bit sensitive because he wants to change us, grow us, heal us. That he might challenge us to things that we go, oh, didn't want to know about that, thank you. And that will be risky. But we make ourselves vulnerable because actually vulnerability is the basis for true relationship. And in that is an intimacy. Some people might feel really uncomfortable with that. It's about know, knowing and being known. About knowing and being known that God would know us completely and it's spirit to spirit isn't it it's the deepest level of God knowing us relating to us and us to him. Sometimes these days we feel that we know people really well because you can know everything about them from Wikipedia can't you what they've had for breakfast even (laughs) and and I don't know whether you've ever had this experience. I can't, I'm not quite sure if I have or not, but when you've seen somebody, that they may not be like a high-level celebrity, but just someone who's maybe on telly or something like that. And you, and you go, hi, and then you think, oh, I really don't know them at all, this is super embarrassing. But you kind of feel like you do. Now we can do that with God, can't we? We can know so much about him. We can know about him from other people, but actually, do we know him? Do we really know him? Are we pursuing him alone to fulfill the vacuums of our lives, to quench the thirst and the hungers of our lives? A while ago, um, Catherine Tate recommended a book to me. It's out of print, which it shouldn't be. Uh, If Catherine Tate ever recommends a book to you, don't buy it. And it's by Pete Gregg, and it's a really exciting book because you read it from both ends, which is a bit like a children's book, that one about the tiger that you used to read from both ends. (laughs) So um, it's called The Vow, and it's great, uh, and I read it every so often. And in it, he, he challenges me, the reader, whoever. And as he's challenging them, he says, you're going to want to skim over this bit really fast. And I know what you're going to do. You're going to, you're going to read it and nod, and then, and then make a cup of tea. So, so I'm telling you, so you're reading this thinking, oh, no, he knows me. And he asks the question, two questions. And the question is this, do I really hunger for Jesus Christ? Am I really hungry for more of Jesus in my life? Well, the right answer is yes, so I'll just help you out with that. And as you can imagine, when you read those questions, you think, "Mm, probably, and you want to move on, don't you? So just as you're moving on, he then puts a whole bunch of other questions so here's some of the other questions. Am I craving and so creating time alone with Jesus in prayer? You ready? you ready for the next one? Is he more important to me than my partner, my family and my friends? Do I find Christ's name on my lips throughout the day or only in overtly sacred contexts? I told you, Catherine recommends a book to you, don't, don't get it. Is he my last thought at night and my first in the morning as I stumble to the bathroom? Do I make time to pour over his biography? Is my prayer life garrisoned into occasional blocks of time? Or do I find myself conversing with him about ridiculous trivia throughout the day? I'm quite surprised some of you are not hiding under your chairs, actually. You know what? There is a reality gap, isn't there? Let's be honest. When I read those, I just feel like maybe I should resign. (laughs) At least you don't probably have that feeling. (laughs) There is a reality gap, but it's a challenge. And actually, at the same time as it's a challenge, and I think, oh, if only I could say a big yes to all those things all of the time there's also something within me that says, and I wish that it was more like that. There's a seeking, a desire, a something within me that says, this is what I was made for. That my life would be like that. That my life would seek after God and have that soul thirst quenching encounter with him. The deep, deep down one. That quenches our thirst, whatever else is going on in our lives, that deep and real joy, that is solid regardless of our circumstances, because we seek him, and in Jesus is everything that we need, that unshakable peace. But over all those things, simply him, his presence, his presence, just to be with him just to see his face looking at us, just to see what his eyes respond to us and what's going on in our lives, just to hear his voice, to feel the touch of his hand upon us. Don't you long for that? Just to know him, to encounter him, to seek after him. And Some days I feel like a bit of a, garden with plants all growing in life and sometimes I feel like a parched desert and probably most of the time I feel somewhere in between and sometimes weeds are growing up but to be in that place of encounter with God to know him and to be known to know my soul thirst quenched by the presence of Jesus Jesus so we're going to do that. We're going to put ourselves in the right place anyway, the right attitude. <laughs>